So we're talking about the vision for Anchor Church. And you could sum it up real life, real love, real purpose. But what does that mean? So we're going to go more in depth uh, in that today. Excuse me. I'll find here. So the reason we're here is we're here so that people or so that you would not simply exist or, you know, I, I told you last week about the girl with the tattoo uh, in Indiana. I went to the, the Walmart and she had a tattoo and I was doing something. I don't remember what. I, I was exchanging something and it said, you are not, it was right here, you are not just here to take up space. And I thought, wow, that is a really good statement. Like, if you're going to have a tattoo, at least have something to say good. Like, you are not here just to take up space. In other words, you're not here just to simply exist. In other words, it's not just, well, I go to work on Monday, and I work about eight or nine hours, maybe ten hours, and I do the same thing Tuesday, same thing Wednesday, same thing Thursday. Oh, I can't wait till Friday, because Friday is the last day of the week. Now it comes Saturday. Okay, so Saturday I'm going to do this, and Sunday I'm going to do this, and then you do the same thing again, and you do the same thing again. You ever hear of these people? Uh, they retire, or uh, they just uh, become independently wealthy, and then they're like, well, I'm going to go get... Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense today, but I'll still say it, uh, a home in the Caribbean <laughs> and relax. <laughs> and so they go, you know, after about three weeks of relaxing, they're kind of like, I want to do something. So even what you think, you know, your favorite vacation spot or your favorite thing, if you just keep doing it again and again and again, you are not just here to go on vacation. Now, you should take vacations, understand what I'm saying, but that's not the summation of your life. That's not the goal of your life. If it is, that is not a satisfying life. It may satisfy for a moment. It may satisfy for an hour. It may satisfy for a year or two, but there is no deep inward satisfaction in what the world has to offer. The only deep inward satisfaction comes from the very life of God itself. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief or the devil has come but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, some people, they're going to say, oh, you know, God's all about you having the abundant life, so you need like 10 cars and you need three houses and you need millions of dollars in the bank. That is not what Jesus was saying. Now, zoe life, which is the Greek word he used there, uh, zoe will affect your finances. But that is not what Jesus was talking about. That is a, uh, I'm not talking about you, let me just say me. That is a shallow way to view that. That's limited, that, that, that viewpoint of what Jesus said is just limited to this world. Oh, he's talking about money. He's talking about having lots of money. Uh, the streets of heaven are paved with gold. And you cannot take your money with you when you die. So I should tell you that, I should tell you that story again, you know, because it's one of my favorites. And so there was this husband and wife, and husband was telling his wife, you know, a lot of times our, we husbands want to tell our wives all this stuff. Hey, you know what? I'm going to be the first one. And so he's like, I'm going to be the first one to take my money with me when I die. And she said, oh, you are, huh? He's like, yep, I am. He said, I'm putting it up in the attic, so I get it on the way up. <laughs> so, sure enough, he dies. 
Shortly after he dies, what does she do? She climbs up in the attic, and she looks, and she says, he should have put it in the basement. (laughs) But you can't take your money with you. It's limited to this world. Don't get me wrong. Uh, God will multiply your seed sown. You need finances in the earth. And if you're not going to act in faith, you're going to be limited to how hard you can work and how many hours you can spend. And there's a quick limit and a quick cap that you hit on that. But man, you get the blessing of the Lord on your finances. He will multiply your seed sown. He'll make a way where it seemed like there was no way. He'll make a way in the wilderness. You can have uh, whatever you can believe for. But Jesus is talking about real life, authentic life, abundant life, zoe life, or literally it means the life of God and the nature of God. It means life the way God has life. I didn't finish reading the thing. I got so excited. We are here so that people will not simply exist or take up space, but have real life, real love, and real purpose through Jesus Christ. So I kind of boil it down to real life, real love, real purpose, right? And um, so we're going to do one week on each of those. This is the second week of the introduction. And um, so I want to talk to you for just a second, maybe our remaining time, about real life. So turn with me if you have your Bibles or you have a mobile device or uh, it, they may have time to put it on the screen. I didn't give them the scripture. John chapter 14, verse 17. John chapter 14, verse 17. This is Jesus praying. It's an amazing, uh, no, this is not Jesus praying. It's him talking, and then we'll get to Jesus praying in a minute. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. You guys know how I love the word comforter. Our kids, have you just built them these uh, beds, built-in beds a couple months ago? And so... My wife ordered these comforters. You know, they're like striped and you put stuff inside them or something like that, yeah. And they, so it's kind of fluffy and on top of there. So you think like, oh, I'm going to be cozy. And so a lot of times they're, they're young, so I'll go in their room at night or early in the morning and they're all uncovered, so I put the comforter back on them so they are comfortable, <laughs> right? Uh, that is the most uncommon and least of all of the meanings of the Greek word paraclete or parakletos that uh, is used for comforter. But because uh, a lot of translations uh, are older, like I'm reading King James right now, even the newer ones, they call it comforter, and so they really kind of diminish the meaning of that word. So for just a second, uh, let's talk about the Holy Spirit and what he does. Why in the world would it say comfort? Uh, let, let me, I'll actually say this because I think it'll help you. Uh, a really old translation, Wycliffe, uh, Wycliffe's translation, used the same word when he translated it Uh, He translated in a couple other places. He said, I thank the Lord who has made me strong. Other translators said, who has comforted me. 
I thank the Lord who has made me strong. In in an uh, authorized translation, translation says, I thank the Lord who has enabled me. And so it actually means brave, strong, and courageous. So uh, I'm going to go away, and when I go, I'm going to send the one who makes you brave, strong, and courageous. Right? A little better than comforter. (laughs) Brave, strong, courageous. The function of the Holy Spirit was to fill a man with the spirit of power and courage, which would make him able to triumphantly cope with life. I'll read that again. This is William Barclay. The function of the Holy Spirit is to fill a man with the spirit of power and courage, which would make him able to triumphantly cope with life. Isn't that amazing? So we say comfort. That's why I don't like the word comforter. Because even when I hear, even I know that, I hear comforter and I think, oh, just make me comfortable. You know, like comfort. In other words, uh, my grandmother passed away. Let's pray for comfort for Pastor Tim. She didn't. She did a while ago. I'm just using an example. Spirit of power and courage, which makes you able to triumphantly cope with life. Have you ever had to cope with life? Have you ever had life come at you? The Bible says, and we are so happy about it, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. But that means that there's something for us to conquer. That means that things come at us and come against us. And so Jesus Christ is the only um, more than conqueror ticket that you can actually punch. And the way you punch your ticket is you get in Christ and then you act on the word. And how do you act on the word? Well, you yield to the Holy Spirit. Like if you, if I heard a story the other day, I'm not going to tell the full story, but if, if you like uh, go into Illinois or some of like the, the states in the plains and you go into the country, you actually can see roads like miles and miles and miles away. And uh, a lot of those intersections, they have no street signs. But what has to happen is, if there's two cars coming, one from this direction and one from this direction, someone has to yield, otherwise there's going to be an accident. And so our job with the Holy Spirit is to yield. So if you come out here and you have a yield sign on the road over here, and it says yield, what does that mean if someone else is coming you're supposed to do? Yield, or you give them the right of way, or you stop, or you slow down enough that they can go first. And so we are to yield to God's Spirit. In other words, we let Him have the right of way. Because, like, a devil will force and control and try to make you do stuff, but the Spirit of God is a perfect gentleman, and He will not force you to do something. And he will not tell you something most of the time unless you ask him. Even in prayer. I've been praying and, you know, ask the Lord about something. He tells me. But then I don't think to ask about, well, what do you mean by that? You know, that happened to uh, 
Kenneth Hagin, when he was um, pastoring a church, and the Lord told him, you know, uh, I never did call you to pastor to begin with. And so all he knew about was you could be a pastor, you could be an evangelist. And so he thought, okay, you never did call me to pastor, then uh, I'm an evangelist. So he set out to be an evangelist, and he said, as he described it, he said, I fell flat on my face. He said, I didn't ask the Lord, well, what did you call me to do? I should have. <laughs> you know, I said the other day, the story in the Bible that reminds me the most of this is Abraham when he is interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's like, Lord, are you going to destroy that city if there's 50 righteous? And then he says 40 righteous and then 30 righteous. Don't you think like he is talking to God? Don't you think that God could have told him at the beginning, dude, there's not even 10 righteous there. But no, he says, he lets him pray this. And, and it's a wonderful thing. It talks about our authority, what we can do in Christ Jesus, that we can stand in the gap. When, you know, God, you know he said, far be it from you, a righteous God, to destroy the righteous with the wicked. And so God said, okay, hold on. Maybe you know more than me. But he lets him go through the whole thing. Isn't that amazing? And so don't think that you're any different. And so you go to the Father in the name of Jesus, and you're, you're praying and asking the Lord for this or that or whatever. He may give you an answer, but I suggest what you learn to do is develop. And what do you mean by that? <laughs> it's like you have a new boss, and they're having you do all this stuff, and, and you, they say, uh, I want you to do such and such. And you say, uh, would you like me to do it this way? Or what do you, what do you mean by that? Uh, is there anything else you want to tell me? Uh, because those details sometimes are pretty significant and they can make a big difference in, uh, in your life and, of course, especially with the Lord. That wasn't in my notes, but that's good at any rate. So the word for Holy Spirit is the same word um, that allows soldiers that are timid in battle to courageously enter into battle. So all of a sudden where they were timid, now they have no timidity. Now they have boldness and bravery and courage, and they can turn. You know, he says in another place, and that's one of my favorite uh, mental pictures, is it's like when there is a huge storm raging, it causes you, the Holy Spirit, he causes you, instead of turning away from the storm, to turn and face the storm head on. That is the Holy Spirit. That is one of the main functions that he does for us. So when you're praying that the Lord would comfort someone, you're actually praying by the Holy Spirit. You're praying that they would be invigorated with courage and bravery, and strength, and steadfastness, Amen. that they'll be able to triumphantly cope with whatever life brings at them. Amen. Well, why do I like to say that? Well, because as soon as you understand that, then you're going to have more faith in your prayer for the Lord to comfort someone. It includes consolation. It includes those things. But if you go every... every um, instance in the New Testament, that is the least way that it's used. So the Holy Spirit is, is there to um, embolden us, 
and to strengthen us. And it reminds me of what um, Paul said, and you shall receive power, excuse me, Luke, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. Do you know witnesses unto me actually means not just, oh, there's an accident, let me tell you what I saw. It's actually, if you study that out, it talks about and it, it means, it denotes you're a witness to something that happened by how you live your life. That reminds me of when Paul said that we are to live as those who have been brought from death unto life because Jesus himself took our death. So he said, live as those brought from death to life. Well, what does that mean? Have you ever met someone that had a near-death experience or maybe they died and came back and now how they live and how they view life and their priorities and what they have? As far as their priorities, uh, they got a little clearer picture. Uh, their picture goes a little bit beyond this world and this realm. And so in John chapter 14, my notes are all over the place, praise the Lord. In John chapter 14, verse 17, Jesus said, I'll pray the Father, and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever or live with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. John 15, 26 says, But when the Comforter has come, whom I'll send to you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And then John chapter 16, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that will he speak. He'll show you things to come. He'll glorify me, for he'll receive of mine and show it to you. One translation says, the spirit of reality, when the spirit of reality has come. And so the Holy Spirit uh, is, the whole, is the spirit that takes the things of Christ and makes them real to us, makes things real. And so if you want to live a real life or have real love or real purpose, you're going to have to yield to the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to let the Holy Spirit show you. I remember for years and years, uh, you know, I guess it would have been like not 20 years, I, I read my, well, okay, whenever I could read, so 15 years. Let's say I started reading at five. So when I could read my Bible, I would read my Bible, and it had good stuff in it, and I would see stuff from the Holy Spirit, but as soon as I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke out of tongues, all of a sudden, people said, like, what happened? Did you see fire? Did you, did you fall out? No, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't experience that. But what happened is, the next day, I picked up my Bible. And I remember I was a Bible quizzer growing up, and so I had a lot of scriptures memorized that I had quizzed on. And so I saw the same scriptures, and I thought, these are, I have never seen these before in my life. And, but I knew in my, I was, it was like, tilt, because I knew in my head, no, I have that memorized. I could quote that. But it was coming from somewhere else, which I know now was from my spirit, but I didn't understand. And so all of a sudden, you know what happened? Those words that were on the page became so real to me. The spirit of reality. Because now in his fullness, I was filled. And so all of a sudden, he started showing and revealing and he's still showing me, and he's still revealing to me, and he'll still show you, and he'll still reveal to you. So you really have to, if you're going to experience that, you're going to have to um, yield 
to the Holy Spirit. So where a lot of this came from as I was praying about, uh, you know, updated version of the vision, those type of things, um, I, I had an experience in late spring, and uh, I was praying, and uh, I, uh, I really kind of, uh, I guess, got way over in the spirit, and everything became, the things of the earth became kind of dim, I guess is how you'd say it, and the things of God and the things of the spirit became so real that I came out of that, and I said, like, this is like, this is uh, full life, is how I kind of describe this is This is full life. And of course, then I thought of where Jesus said abundant life. I'm like, but none of those words, those words are not accurate. Those words are not good enough. And even real is not necessarily good enough. But I, I started to see some things, and you understand, as soon as you actually get into the presence of God, then you know what's true and what's false. Then you can actually discern things. And so Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, I have come that you might have life. I'm going to call it zoe so that you don't get hung up with life so you think a little different. I have come that you might have zoe or the life and nature of God or life the way God has it and that you might have it more abundantly. But then he went on in John chapter 17 to pray. And he prayed to the Father and he said, Excuse me. He said, Father, you have given me power over all flesh that I should give eternal life to as many as you have given me. And this is life eternal, or this is Zoe, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Right? So he said, I have come that you might have life, and this is life, knowing God and Jesus Christ. Well, the only way you can know God is through Jesus Christ. No man can come to the Father except through the Son, and Jesus is the Son of God. And the only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. And he said, I have come that you might have this life, this substance that is life, this Zoe. John 1 4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of man. Or you could say it was the development of mankind. In other words, you could just live and go through your life and you live however many years you're going to live, leave an inheritance, hopefully for your children and your grandchildren, and then punch your card and you're out of here. But what effect did you have? What difference did you make? You're not just here to take up space, but you're here to make a difference in the lives of those around you that you know and that you have not yet known. You're here to bring the life of God and the love of God and the purpose from God into the lives of everyone that you meet. I mentioned last week the, the, the guy from China that I was uh, talking to about the Lord and uh, afterwards, I didn't premeditate, but I realized afterwards, I'm like, you know, it was the easiest thing in the world to talk to that man. One of the reasons it was the easiest thing in the world was because uh, I just, I kept thinking, I wonder if he has like truly, deeply, inwardly satisfying life. Because if he doesn't, he needs to know about this. 
and he didn't. So I got to tell him about it. And easiest thing in the world. And so Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So, you know, the name of our church is Anchor Church, and uh, that comes from Hebrews 6.19, a hope, the anchor for your soul that enters into within the veil. So really, uh, even the name kind of denotes that Christ is our anchor that gets us beyond the veil is where the presence of God is, right into the presence of God. And as soon as you get right into the presence of God, this is life. Because then all of these concerns, all of the other things, take their proper place. And that is under your feet. Because you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You're not a victim. You're a victor. You are not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. What does that mean? That means you're more than a conqueror. (laughs) Through Jesus Christ who loved us. So what happens sometimes is uh, people will, will hear like, well, I'm more than a conqueror. That is not what the Bible says. Sometimes people will say, well, I heard I am the righteousness of God. That is not what the Bible, Bible says. I'm trying to get you to think, yes, that is what the Bible says. <laughs> Do you know all of those are in Christ, through Christ, scriptures? So what happens sometimes is you hear these things I hear these things, and we're like, well, I am more than a conqueror, so I'm, this is no match for me. But that is not true. You're probably no match for that thing. But as soon as you act in Christ, that thing has already been defeated. That thing has already been taken care of. That thing takes its proper place. Paul said, one of my favorite, uh, current favorite statements of Paul is I have determined among men, you even could say, while I'm living in the earth here, because there's men everywhere, men and women, mankind, I have determined among men to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What does that mean? Well, as soon as I identify myself with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, I'm going to see myself on the cross with Christ. I'm going to take myself to the cross with Christ. And if I take myself to the cross with Christ, I'm saying I'm turning away from my desires, my earthly desires, and I'm turning to his heavenly desires. I'm turning away from my abilities, my earthly abilities. I'm turning away from the knowledge that the world would offer, the limited knowledge the world would offer. And I'm turning to Jesus Christ, and I'm turning to true wisdom, true knowledge, true understanding, because only there do I experience fullness of life or real life so you can go join like you know this group or that group and they're protesting this and protesting that and all this type of stuff and some of this stuff I guess is good to protest would be good to protest and some might not be good to protest but it doesn't really matter it's all limited to this life and most of the time it's limited to about a two or three year period where that kind of gets attention And so then people give up their jobs and do all this other type of stuff for something that is so limited. But you can let Jesus Christ change your life, change your focus, change who you are. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus Christ is the only 
place, the only source where we can actually live real life. We can really live where we're not limited by uh, things that other people would try to put on us or that the devil would put on us. But Jesus Christ is the only place where you can truly be free. And the only way to truly be free is to fully give up yourself to him. Make Jesus Lord of your life. Make him your master. Say, I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ every single day. It's not about me anymore. Now it's about him. He took my death. He took my punishment. And so now I'm going to take his life. You cannot fix yourself and you cannot make yourself right. But you can come to Jesus. And he has already made you right. You just have to actually receive, believe, and receive what he did. The Word of God says, Let him that is thirsty come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Whosoever will. That means it's not automatic. That means you don't just uh, go to heaven because you're good. It means whosoever will. That as an act of your will, as an act of my will, I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to turn to Christ. I choose to turn to him. So if that's you this morning, online or here in the building, I want you to slip up your hand, and I'd love to pray with you and for you. And in an instant of time, you'll be out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Don't believe the lie of the devil that you don't have to do that, that you don't have to come. The devil is a deceiver and the devil is a liar and the devil says, no, not right now. Don't do it right now. Do it some other time. Today, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. You may not have another day. You may not have another moment. But right now, this moment, this is for you. God is calling you and he is saying, come. Come. Um.